you will permit me to do it a little bit different this morning, I'm going to not I'm not going to start with a text. I will read in a few moments. So you may be seated. God bless you. My title this morning is Everyone Has One. Everyone has one. I will say everyone as being starting at least with the teenagers and up. Probably could go down a few years at least with many. But I will say that from teenagers up in this room today, everyone has one. How many of you have a cell phone? Whether with you or not, you own a cell phone. How many of you don't have a cell phone? So that's, that's not it. How many of you have cash in your pocket? Cash in your pocket. Cash. And I'm talking about your bank account. I'm talking about your, I'm talking about cash in your pocket. Most of us don't. Many of you do, but most of us don't. Not everyone here has a car today. Not everyone owns a house. Not everyone is, has a degree. Of course, if you're 13 or 14 and you've already got a degree and you are, you are my hero. There's a lot of things. Not everyone today has two living parents. Some no longer have any living parents. Some today have no grandparents. Some, such as myself, are down to one living grandparent. There's a lot of things that not everyone has. But there is one thing that everyone in this room today has, and that is a hurt. I've said it already, we probably could go younger than 13 and include a bunch more. But if you're 13 and up today, you have a hurt. In fact, if you're 13 and up today and you only have a hurt, you are a rare individual. If you've only got a hurt, you probably just turned 13. Because the rest of us have an S on the end. The rest of us have more than one. The depth of it may, from a logical perspective, vary from person to person. The bottom line is, whatever it is that's hurt you, it's hurt you. doesn't really matter what the comparison is. You can sit and judge yourself by others. And in fact, I've seen in my lifetime, just simply by observation as a human being, but probably more so from my experience as a pastor, I've seen some that I would argue had deeper hurts than others appear to be less affected by the deeper hurts than those whose hurts seem to be more minor. Some that have been through the great the loss of parents or spouses, children, others who it was just some unkind words, it was just what seemed to be some minor mishaps in life that is their hurt, and yet their response to that hurt causes them to live in a way that's more 
damaging than those that have what would seem to be much deeper hurts. The bottom line today is, and the good news today is, that God does not get out a scale for each one of us. And God does not rate your hurt compared to my hurt. God does not rate the, the, his compassion for, or how much compassion he gives for your hurt based on how it measures up to someone else's. He deals with us as individuals. He interacts with us if we allow him as individuals. How it is with the billions of people in this world that God can still be so intimately involved in my life as an individual, I cannot comprehend. I can't explain that to you. I cannot give you a logical explanation of that. But what I know is that from the Word of God, I believe that He knows me. The Scripture says it this way. He's got the very hairs of our head numbered. I forget who I said this to recently, shared this with recently, or where it was. My apologies. But I used to always think, you know, that, that's, that's, that's kind of neat. But really, I mean, what value is there in the fact you got the hairs of my head numbered? I mean, okay, that's, that's pretty cool trivia, I guess, but of course, I guess it's a job to have to keep up with because it fluctuates. <laughs> Every morning when I go to fix my hair for the day, somebody's got to recount. So the number has changed a little bit. Some of you decided to help God out and you just shaved it all off. So he doesn't have to keep track anymore. But I, I, I got it and, and, I, and I realize, I guess part of it is just showing the degree to which he goes to say, this is how much I know you. And I, I got sort of a different perspective on that verse several years ago. I, I went to do one of those sleep studies and I went over place in Annapolis and checked in on a Saturday evening and and uh fortunately I've been blessed as some of you as well have been blessed that you can sleep anywhere <laughs> just about any time I went in there and and they, they started hooking I I had some of you have done it you know how it is but I I had I had stuff connected to me from from head to toe. Wires everywhere on my fingers and arms and legs and 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 head and all this stuff and 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 out of nowhere that verse came to my mind. He's got the hairs of my head numbered and I I, I kind of realize what he's trying to say is in the same way that all of those those uh sensors were were connected to my body measuring all kinds of things that were going on that's how much he knows me that's how connected and involved he is in my world that's how associated he is with what is taking place in my life. I, I may say this again a little bit later, but let me just go ahead and say it now. The, the problem is too often we judge God's presence in our lives by the circumstances that are going on in our life. And so when things start to go bad and things start to seem like they are falling apart, our first reaction, our first question often is, God... Where are you? This may be a little bit of an odd message this morning. As always, I do my best to preach whatever it is God gives me. I do not have a book that I just sit and flip through and decide what I want to preach. It's a holiday weekend. Many folks are still traveling. Many folks are out of town for the holidays. Of course, we also know... It's the most wonderful time of the year. Bottom line is, there's some that that song is not true. 
It's not the most wonderful time of the year. So whether you are a part of the most wonderful time of the year or not, and I realize we're trying to get in the festivities of the holidays, there's something God desires to do deep in somebody here today that while it may not be just a rah-rah, fun message, it could be a life-changing message. Hebrews 4 and verse 14 says this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Message Bible says it this way, verse 15. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. Oh, hallelujah. I, I like that. I, I, I like that. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Weiss translation says it this way, we do not have a high priest who is not able to enter experientially into a fellow feeling with our infirmities. We don't have a God that is disconnected from what we face and we go through. Again, oftentimes because of our circumstances, we ask the question, God, where are you? Where have you gone? How have, why have you abandoned me? Because there is no way, God, if you were present, I would be facing what I'm facing right now. There's no way, God, if you were really with me, I'd be dealing with what I'm dealing with right now. So you must have gone somewhere. Brother Libby that was with us, senior Libby that was with us last Sunday morning, my wife and I, several, a year or two ago, made this point. Where can God go? Where can God go? God is omnipresent. He fills all space. Not only does he fill all space, he fills all time. There is nowhere that God can go. I know we say in a church service, boy, God moved today, but God can't move. How do you move when, if, if I got inside this, if, if I got, yesterday, I'll just, let I me mean, use, yesterday we, 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 our, our house is a Christmas fanatical house. It's been for several years now. The day after Thanksgiving is the day it all comes out and we start. <laughs> and, and, and we had this, 
We had this, we had the, 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 uh, artificial tree. If you're opposed to artificial trees, you haven't had our experiences with real trees. Because if you had our experiences with real trees, you'd just go with artificial trees and get a candle to have the pine scent and save the hassle. <laughs> I've chopped them up. I've killed them. I've done all kinds of stuff to them. And so it's a lot easier just to get the fake one. <laughs> And the box was sitting in the, the box was sitting in the, in the kitchen. And Timothy, Timothy is my third child, first son. He's probably an inch or two taller than me now. And he gets down in that box. Esther had run to the Chinese restaurant to pick up dinner. So he gets in the box. Closes the box up so that he can attempt to scare Esther. A couple of us ask her to slide the box into the sunroom next to the kitchen and all she, why? It's not in the way. Finally, I had to get a little stern. Esther, move the box. As she goes to move the box, he jumps out and it was quite funny. I have the video to show you if you'd like to see it after church. <laughs> he, he, he couldn't move. He was stuck. He actually busted the box up when he got out. But I choose to focus on the humor and not the... He, God can't move. I, I, I'm gonna, I Come back next Sunday and we're going to talk about God moving. That's just the way it goes. In this context, right now, God can't move. Meaning, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're going through, or no matter what you will go through, God will be there because God can't go anywhere. And so my circumstances are not the indicator of God's presence or the lack of God's presence because He promised me I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will always be there. He said, as a friend sticketh closer than a brother. He said, that's what I'm going to be. I'll always be there. The psalmist said it this way. He is a very present help in trouble. You want to know where God is if you're in trouble? He's right there with you. Because when you're in trouble, God shows up in trouble. Because I've come to tell somebody, we do not have a high priest today that is somewhere off disconnected from us. But we've got a God that is not only moved by what we go through, He understands what we go through. He's been through weakness and testing, and so he's not out of touch with our reality. Somehow Job was able to realize my circumstances are not synonymous with God's presence. Although there were some times he still had a bit of a struggle with that. Overall, he was able to trust how else do you get down on the ground after all of, after the worst news anybody could ever get in their life and simply say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We, King James is a little bit hard to really get. Part of the reason I read a couple of other translations because let's just, let's just re, restate it in a way that's a little easier to get. We have a high priest who is touched by the feelings of our infirmity. Barnes note says this, our high priest is not cold and unfeeling. That is, we have one who is abundantly qualified to sympathize with us in our afflictions, and to whom, therefore, we may look for aid and support in trials. Had we a high priest who was cold 
and heartless who simply performed the external duties of his office without entering into the sympathies of those who came to seek for pardon, who had never experienced any trials and who felt himself above those who sought his aid, we should necessarily feel disheartened in attempting to overcome our sins and to live to God. His coldness would repel us. His stateliness would awe us. His distance and reserve would keep us away and perhaps render us indifferent to all desire to be saved. But tenderness and sympathy attract those who are feeble. And kindness does more than anything else to encourage those who have to encounter difficulties and dangers. Such tenderness and sympathy has our great high priest. Oh, we, we were sneaking in the door of some of y'all a few minutes ago when we were just singing and worshiping, but now some of you are prepared and you got your walls up. You've got your protection ready because you're not going to let anybody get near that vulnerableness that you have. I preached to guests this morning, and I preached to people as well that have been, as Brother Evans said, tens of thousands of times. Because whether it's your first time or your hundredth, thousandth time, as human beings, we are vulnerable to being hurt by the circumstances of life. And if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in religion and the aspects of religion that we forget there is a God who is moved by the feelings of our infirmities. That there is a God that when I hurt, He hurts. When I hurt, He hurts. Hello? How can that be? How can he be a God that hurts when I hurt? That's a guts, that's a God that is failing me. No, it's, it's the misperception that we have that if God is really real and God is really true, then he's going to make everything perfect, everything the way that I want it. And there is no promise in his word that ever says that. There is no promise that says he's going to do everything I want the way I want it. But there are some things that let me know he's going to be there with me no matter what I go through and then I can also trust that in the end according to Romans 8 28 all things all things if I go to my mailbox tomorrow and I open up the mail and I bring it in the house and I open up an envelope and in that letter in that envelope I pull out a check that has my name on it for $50,000 I can promise you I will have no trouble figuring out how that's for my good in fact I won't even stop to ask God isn't it interesting we always ask him why about the bad stuff, but we never ask him why about the good. God, why did you let this? Have you ever walked out of, the, out of your boss's office when he gave you a raise? God, why? You don't even think about it. Because in your mind, it's good. But can I tell you today, there have been some things in my life that I thought were good that by the time they got done having the effect on me, they did. I had to look back and realize what I thought was good was really not good because instead of drawing me closer to Him, it pushed me further away. And there's some things that while I was going through them, I thought they were the worst thing I could ever be in. And yet now I look back and realize that they were working for my good. It's, it's, it's hard to comprehend. Maybe you got it, but it's hard for me to comprehend. But he promised, I am touched by what you're going through. I am moved by what you're dealing with. Your infirmities move me. Your difficulties impact me. Not distant and disconnected, 
Isaiah 53, verse 4, says it this way. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Can I reread it to you this way? Surely he has borne my griefs and carried my sorrows. Surely he has borne your griefs and carried your sorrows. You, you, you see, pain, I, I, pain is, 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 is the, is often the vehicle by which God draws us the closest to him. It's the pain that we go through that oftentimes is what is intended to be the very thing that leads me to a new depth of my relationship and my intimacy with Him. And I, I find out about Him in a whole new way. Job said at the end of the book of Job, after all that he had been through, the loss of possession, the loss of sons and daughters, and physical challenges that he went through, sickness that he went through, and friends that were not the best of friends, that didn't seem to be the best of friends, it was after all of that that Job said this, I heard of you with my ear. Meaning, before I went through everything I went through, I had heard about you, God. Some people had told me who you were and what you were, but he said, Now, now, I have seen you with my own eye. Wait, wait, Job. You're telling me that when your life was perfect and everything was good and all of your possessions were intact and your sons and your daughters were all alive, you're saying at that point you had only heard about God and now you have suffered everything that you've suffered. You're saying, now I have seen Him. Because it is our heartache and pain and the tragedies of life that we go through that are the things that take us from hearing about God to being able to see God. I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so faith has to start with hearing. But can I tell you that a faith that is the result of seeing is even stronger than a faith that comes from hearing. Because when I go beyond just hearing what builds faith to seeing with my own eye what God can do for me as an individual, that Hearing got me started, but now the seeing is what gives me a foundation that I stand upon. Because if all I've done is hear, you might be able to get me to question. If all I've done is hear about God, you might be able to attack Him enough to cause me to start to question Him. But the problem is, at 45 years of age, I've been through enough things and I've dealt with enough situations where God showed up, where God came alongside me and God became what I needed in the moment. And so you've come too late to question and challenge the reality of God in my life because I've seen him. The word grief means malady, anxiety, calamity. He has carried your anxiety. He has carried your calamity. The word sorrow means pain or sorrow. He's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Oh, Jesus. He's felt and feels everything that I feel. I, I've tried a long time ago, many years ago, I tried when I was counseling someone, if I had never been through what they have been through, to not say, I understand what you're going through. Because if I have not been through it, 
I cannot truly understand. I can try to imagine. I can try to think about what it must be like. But I cannot truly understand what you're going through if I have not been through what you've been through. And yet the scripture says that he was in all points tempted like as we were. So what that means is God can say, I understand what you're going through. I'm not just trying to imagine, but I understand. There, there is some way. You say, well, he hadn't go through exactly what I went through. No, but I probably could really quickly find something that's very similar that he dealt with so that he understands what you're going through. And so John 16 and 7, Jesus says this. He's winding down his time prior to his death. And he says to them, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. I need to go away because as long as I'm here, the comforter, notice the big C, the comforter cannot come. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. That word comforter means this, summoned, called, to one's side, especially called to one's aid. In the widest sense, it is a helper, a succor, an aider, an assistant. Psalmist said it like this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I really wish that most of the time he would just take us around the valley. Can we please skip the valley? Let me just ride the peak of the mountaintops and look down at the valley. The psalmist said, yea, though I walk through If your world seems to be falling apart, I got good news for you today. You're not there by accident. You're not there by accident. There is a God who knew exactly what was coming, knew exactly what you would deal with and face. And the Bible teaches us that before I ever got there, he already had it figured out how I was going to get through there. Before I ever dealt with the situation, not only did he know the situation was coming, but he also knew the solution to it. So he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why is it that I will fear no evil? Because thou art with me. You're not somewhere up in heaven on your throne looking down at me. But like Jesus said in the verse I just read, you have come alongside me. You have shown up to walk with me. I know it would have been your preference to not go through it. I know that's what we desire, Brother Skip. I don't want to go through it, God. 
But can I tell you the place where God comes the closest to us is not on the mountaintop looking down at the valley, but the place God comes the nearest to us is when we get in the middle of the valley. He shows up as the comforter that comes alongside of us and says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you, but I'm going to be there with you until the end. Reminds me of that poem that most of you are familiar with. The footprints in the sand. And the writer says, I'm not, not quoting obviously, but the gist of what he says is, When I got to the most difficult times, you abandoned me. When I got to the most difficult time, you forsook me. Where did you go? He says, look, look again. You got a nine. Go back and put your nine in that footprint and find out that the mark that you see left in the sand is a lot bigger than your nine. It hit me a couple of years ago and, and I really, I don't know how, I don't know how much the writer of the poem had a grasp on it or not, but I got to realizing how true what he said was that it is in our times of greatest need that we often feel like God is not there. And yet that is the time, brother Lewis, in which he is there more than any other. And like the writer of the poem, sometimes what God is doing is so effective we don't even even know he's doing anything this is your first time today especially if your first time in an apostolic service you may not have any point of reference for what i'm about to express here but forgive me come back and see us if you didn't see it today i didn't see it today come back and you'll see it at some point I've seen people in a church service especially where the presence of God was moving and we were worshiping and I've seen people have one of those Holy Ghost fits and I've actually seen some ladies where if you were standing around them you had to be careful because they started shaking and hairpins started shooting out of their head like bullets and if you weren't careful you'd get hit. I've seen... I've seen... There's a few of y'all, you got that you got that shake. My God. Whew. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's that's great. That's wonderful. You ever notice where that happens? Church. Church. Happens in church. I can pick on your brother Lewis. I know you can handle it. I as I stood there in that hospital with you a week ago, you weren't standing in that hospital every few moments going, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You never, never did. I never saw you do that. I didn't, I didn't see you do that. Our problem is that's when we really think God's there. And yet I got to be honest with you. We don't really need him right now. I don't really, I know, I don't need to feel that right now because I know he's here. I know he's, I know he's here. I don't need to feel him. I know he's here. I've never stood next to somebody that was standing beside the casket of a loved one that did what I just did. Shaking and hucking and bucking as we say. My God, I've I, I never seen that. And yet God was right there. He stepped in to the point. I didn't even realize he was there. He assisted me in such a way that I, I couldn't even recognize that he was there. And yet he was there. He is there to help in time of need. 
Adam Clark says this, for a seasonable support, that is support when necessary and as necessary and in due proportion to the necessity. In due proportion to the necessity. The word is properly rendered assistance, help, or support. But it is an assistance in consequence of the earnest cry of the person in distress. For the word signifies to run at the cry. (laughs) Oh, maybe you're not grasping it, and I can see it better because I'm reading it. But did you, to run at the cry. You know, there's something as a parent you kind of you kind of learn to interpret cries. There's some cries you hear them, you're like, "Be quiet, hush, enough," and you don't move. You stay seated. You keep doing what you're doing. There are other cries. That when you hear that cry, your automatic reaction is you move because you know something is wrong. Where'd it go? The word signifies to run at the cry. I I don't mean to physically do it literally right now out loud. Somebody may be desperate enough. You may want to, and that's fine. But I wish somebody would cry today. Some of you have already started it. But I wish somebody would cry. I wish somebody would let something reach out from your heart and your spirit today. Because the commentary says he will run to the cry. He will run to the cry. So even at the throne of grace or great or great propitiary, no help can be expected where there is no cry. No help can be expected where there is no cry. No help can be expected where there is no cry. And where there is no cry, there is no felt necessity. For he that feels he is perishing will cry aloud for help. And to such a cry, the compassionate high priest will run. And the time of need is the time in which God will show mercy. Nor will he ever delay it when it is necessary. We are not to cry today to be helped tomorrow. We are not to cry today to be helped tomorrow or at some indefinite time or at the hour of death. We are to call for mercy and grace when we need them and we are to expect to receive them when we call. This is a part of our liberty or boldness. We come up to the throne and we call aloud for mercy and God hears and dispenses the blessing we need. (laughs) I don't call today and check out shipping time. I don't order today and have to look to see when it's going to be delivered. I don't have to look at the options and decide, do I want to pay standard because it's cheap or do I want to pay extra so I can get it tomorrow? He says, when I cry, when I cry, when I'm willing to get outside of my pride, when I'm willing to get beyond my barriers in the walls that I have erected, and I'm willing to cry out at the moment at which I cry, He's going to show up, and there's going to be mercy, and there's going to be grace to help me in my time of need. 
It's the broken hearted that God draws the nearest to. It's the hurting that God is the most drawn to. It's not those that have everything in life in order and think they've got it all figured out. But it is those that recognize that down deep inside, no matter what I look like on the outside, no matter what you see of my persona on the inside, there is a hurt, there is a pain. And there is a cry. And the good news is today I've got a God that is moved by the feelings of my infirmity. There are things that if I had the choice I would have never gone through. If I had the choice, I would have never had to have deal, dealt with those things that I dealt with. And yet now I can look back and what I often had to battle resenting God for letting me go through. I now look back as being some of the greatest blessings of my life. Because if I had not gone through them, I would not be able to know today without a shadow of a doubt that you are a God that is moved by what moves me. You are a God that feels what I feel. You are a God that hurts when I hurt. already said it. I'm going to say it again. It was a lot easier a few minutes ago when God was kind of sneaking in the side door for some of you. Some of you are so used to erecting your walls. Our human response, the response the world teaches us is protect push don't let anything if you've been hurt don't let anything get close if you've been hurt don't get you hurt me once you'll never hurt me again if you're wounded you push away if if you're hurting you push away because it's it's the attempt to protect ourselves and yet what god is looking for is somebody to say i may not understand you and you know what let's just get real for a moment sometimes i don't like you Don't, don't sit there all your high and holy attitude. <gasps> Sometimes I don't like you because of what you do. Because it's not my preference. It's not the way I envisioned it. It's not the way I imagined it going. But when it's all said and done, and I'm able to look back at what I didn't understand when I was in it, when I look back at perhaps what I resented while I was going through it, I can now see that if it had not been for that, I, I wouldn't have known what it was like. I wouldn't have known what it meant for you as the comforter to come alongside. Come here, Brother Lewis, help me for a second. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. That's a given whether you're a believer or not, you're going to face, experience death, ultimately your own death, also the death of those around you. It was a given that at some point, Brother Lewis, your dad would pass from this life. What wasn't a given was how you would have to face that. You'd have to walk it by yourself. and You'd have to go through that season alone. Or, if as is the case, there is someone that has come alongside who says, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to neglect you. I'm not going to forsake you, but I'm going to be the comforter. I'm going to assist. I'm going to strengthen it. Kind of kind of like those guys that get injured in a football game and can't quite walk under their own strength and they need somebody. That's what I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to do for you. Thank you. 
I don't care what the circumstances of your life are this morning. And again, whether it's your first time or you've been hundreds of times, I believe that basically every individual in this place this morning, God is desiring to come alongside you. That God is desiring to come near as the comfort to assist. And that while He may not change your circumstances and do what you desire Him to do, if you at least can leave today knowing you're not distant, you're not disconnected, you're not detached from me, but you are with me. And you have mercy and you have grace to help in my time of need. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes, please. I said it earlier and I'm going to say it again. I believe that God has come to this place today to do something of great significance in some lives. There are some people here today that God is desperate to come alongside you. God is desperate to come alongside you. But as the commentary stated that I read, there's got to be a cry. There's got to be a reaching out. There's got to be a call. The old song says it like this. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. I, I wish somebody right now, maybe maybe you're not comfortable to do it with your voice, and that's okay. Maybe you're not comfortable to literally do it, but I wish somebody right now would just let your heart begin to call out for Him, because I believe that whether you're comfortable to do it with your voice right now, He can hear your heart, and that just as much as He'll respond to the cry of your voice, He will also respond to the cry of your heart but there's got to be a call there's got to be a call <laughs> I need a high priest I need a God that is moved by what moves me I need a God that is affected by what affects me and according to what I've read to you this morning that is exactly the kind of God that He is. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if nothing else, please, out of respect for those around you. The verse I read to you says, Come boldly to the throne of grace. As a, as a way of doing that, I'm not saying this is the only way. But as a way of demonstrating that, I'd like to, as no one is looking around, out of respect for those that might need it, is there somebody this morning that you would get out of your seat? You would step down to the front of this sanctuary as an altar area, as a way of demonstrating to Him, I'm coming to you because I need you. And I'm going to come to you because you promised that you were a God that would help in time of need. In fact, could I tell it to you this way? That I think down here in this altar area right now, there's some grace with your name on it. There's some grace that's got some people's name on it right now. There's some grace that God prepared for you before you ever got here this morning because He was anticipating your cry. He was anticipating your call. He's not going to have to 
scrounge around to get some grace and mercy when you call because you caught him off guard. He's not going to have to try to desperately scrape up some grace and mercy because he wasn't expecting. But he is, he's expecting. He's anticipating. He's waiting on the call, on the cry to the point that he already has grace and mercy prepared. I need some help in this altar for those of you that don't need to respond for yourself. Because not only does the Lord want to come alongside these folks, but He can use us to come alongside as well. Come on. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be offensive. But there's some of you that have yet to open that crack open that door at all to even give him the chance to come alongside perhaps it's a guess but I'm going to tell you I feel in my spirit this morning it's, it's not just a guest today that God is reaching for it's not just our guest that God is trying to to reach for this morning I'm preaching to some people this morning that you are as faithful to the house of the Lord as anybody else but it's been a little while since you've come before the throne of grace it's been a little while since you've connected with grace and mercy in your time of need and I believe that God has designed this day this morning this moment to impart some grace and mercy in some lives today. Jesus, I pray that you would do right now what you said you would do in your word. Jesus, I pray that you would do right now what you promised us you would do. That you would bring grace and you would bring mercy in the time of need. We're not making a request today for something that you're going to bring tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. But in this very moment, as we make the request, you will run to our cry. You will run to our call. Let grace and mercy be ministered in this sanctuary today. Let grace and mercy be ministered in this sanctuary today. God, let somebody get not just the hearing. Let them not just hear that you are touched by their infirmities and their feelings. But let somebody experience today that you are touched and moved by what moves them. You are not a God who is distant. You are not a God that is detached and watching us from afar, observing what we go through as a spectator. But you are a God who is near. So near that you feel what we feel. So near that you relate to everything we're going through. You understand. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come on, I, I need some folks to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now, not just for those that have come to this altar, but there's some folks that are still in their seats that could use somebody to come alongside them and join with them right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You are all, you are all, you are all I need. I don't need a solution to a problem today. I don't need a fix to my circumstances today. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. 
I need grace. I need mercy. I need help. I need help today that can only come from you. I need help today that can only come from you, God. You are all, you are all I need. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Breathe, breathe, breathe on us today. Grace, mercy. In the time of need, minister grace and mercy today. Minister help in the time of need today. Somebody's crying, God. Somebody's crying, God. Now I trust you to show up. I trust you to come alongside. I trust you to come alongside today. Mercy and grace, mercy and grace, mercy and grace. Don't let us just know in our head today, because it's what your word says, that you're touched by the feeling of our infirmity. But let it be our experience today, because we recognize you drawing near. We sense you coming alongside. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You are all. You are all. You are all. You are all. You are all I need. You are all I need. Oh, breathe on us today. Let your spirit breathe on us today. Hallelujah. Oh, come in, Lord, and change me. You are all I need, Jesus. You are all I need. You are all I need. Oh, breathe on us, Lord. God, somehow today, let what someone has considered to be such a negative thing in their life, let what someone has considered to be such tragedy in their life, let it become the vehicle by which they experience you in a way like they've never experienced you before. God, that they find the nearness of your presence to them in a way like they've never experienced it in their life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come in and change me. You are all I need. Holy Spirit, breathe on me.
to go, please feel free to do so. Thank you for being here. If you know that God is still ministering to you, don't be in a hurry. If grace and mercy are still being imparted to you this morning, don't, don't be in a rush. You are all I need. Holy Spirit, oh, breathe on me. Breathe on me. Power of God. And change me. Oh, you are all I need. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Oh.